Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Ritson Road Alliance Church Online. No matter where you are or how you are watching us, we are just so thrilled that you are joining us as we spend the next 40 or so minutes together. Many of you have heard of the reduced restrictions on in-person church services, and so I want to take a moment to address this. First off, I want to say this. It's good news. We are excited to see that we are moving in a positive direction. Second, we recognize that many people will have differing opinions on how and when we should reopen our building, and each one of them is valuable. At this point in time, our church building continues to remain closed, and we continue to offer online services. We want to let you know that the Board of Elders are working hard to determine the best path forward towards reopening. Our primary concern is for the safety and well-being of those who attend, volunteer, and work at Ritson Road Alliance, and specifically for those who are considered to be vulnerable in our community. We want to assure you that we are going to be working with many of our ministry team leads, as well as we consider government regulations, insurance restrictions, and district and national recommendations as we plan to move towards reopening. As I've been personally thinking about this, one of the things that I believe we long to do as a church is to create meaningful impact in our communities, to share the message of Jesus with the world around us. And of course, you can be a part of that by simply sharing our services with your sphere of influence online. And that one small step goes a long way to seeing more people reached with the life-changing message of Jesus. We also want to let you know that we are extremely grateful for your continued financial support. Everything we do is a result of your generosity. So thank you. And I want to close off with this last thing. Church is best when you are involved. When you are actively participating and not merely an observer on the sidelines. So I want to encourage you this morning to interact with our service. Join us in singing or in prayer or even working through the reflection questions at the end of the service. And remember this, that we are the church together wherever. Our service starts now. Over the past two months, we have been working through a series called Who Are You? And we've been exploring some of the aspects of our identity and life as followers of Jesus. The reality is that what we believe about ourselves ultimately impacts the ways in which we live and respond to the world around us. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, it is important for us to have a right understanding of how our relationship with Jesus influences and shapes our identity. As followers of Jesus, our identity is vast. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are justified. We are free from condemnation. We are accepted. We are adopted. We are victorious. We are heirs to an eternal kingdom, and so much more. As the followers of Jesus Christ, we are also invited to be people who are fully surrendered. We are invited to be surrendered to the deeper life, to be people who are surrendered to the presence and the flow of the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God. Recently, in my quiet times with God, I've been reading through the book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel was a prophet and a priest that served among the people of Israel when they were exiled to Babylon. 
And the book of Ezekiel is an interesting book. It is filled with a variety of visions. In fact, the book of Ezekiel first opens with this dramatic vision of God. And then, in addition to all of these visions, the book is filled with these messages of warning and judgment to both the people of Israel and to all of the nations surrounding them. I was talking to with my dad the other day, and he asked me, as he often does, what has God been teaching me, or what have I been learning lately? And as I was sharing with him, I was sharing how I had been reading in Ezekiel. And up until that point, I had been reading all of these messages of doom and judgment. And I shared with him how sometimes it just feels like you're slogging through it. And I want you to know that it's actually a good thing for you to wrestle with the Bible. To ask questions and to wonder, what is it that God is doing? What does all of this mean? It's this wrestling with God's word that actually deepens our faith and our trust in God. And as we're going to see later, that's important to our, our faith and our identity in Jesus. And so as I was sharing all of this with my dad, I was sharing how it can be easy to get bogged down in the prophetic books of the Bible because they're just so full of judgment. And then I was reminded and actually started to get encouraged and excited because I knew I was getting to a point in, the, in this account where I would encounter God's redemptive plan and a place where hope would rise again. And so as you get near the end of the book of Ezekiel, there are two amazing visions that Ezekiel records. The first is perhaps one of my favorite visions, and in it, God transports Ezekiel to this valley of dry bones. And in this vision, Ezekiel sees God raising these dead dry bones back to life. He is raising up this army, and then finally the Spirit of God breathes new life into them. In Ezekiel 37, 13, and 14, it says this, Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Of course, every single time that I read that passage, I get filled with a sense of excitement and anticipation. The promise that God is raising his people from death to life and filling them with his spirit. But as you come to the end of Ezekiel's book, he has another vision. Water at your ankles, one foot deep. Drops like pearls at your toes and the cracks in the soles of your feet bleed. Bleed into the stream. Just stand. Let the water soak your wounds. Stay. Stay when it feels like grace doesn't fit. When it's hard to believe that the waters of life are not afraid of your darkness, step in deeper. Step into the death of your death into life running between your toes, the line of cold lifting higher up your ankles. It feels strange because it is. This is grace. 
trust that it is safe. Step in deeper until you are safely dying to self, becoming rich in love. There is nothing you need to bring here but the pain you thought would kill you. Let him surprise you, for this is the weight that pulls you in deep. Deeper into life until you are lighter than air. Keep walking. Whatever you are looking for, you may find it here. Find it here. For where there is water, there is life. In the second vision that Ezekiel has for us at the end of the book, it's a vision of the temple of God being restored. And Ezekiel sees God's glory returning to the temple. He says, And I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. Could you imagine what it would have been like to experience and see the glory of God. Ezekiel records the vision of the temple and the glory of God, and as he is doing that, we actually find Ezekiel describing in detail the temple. He also goes into the details about the new ways of living and worshiping that the future people of Israel are to practice. And then what strikes me about this vision, and what I want to share with you, is when Ezekiel is finished describing the temple and all of the details of how the people are to worship, he's actually brought back to the entrance of the temple. And we are told that Ezekiel sees water, or he sees this river that begins to flow from out of the temple. Initially, he says the water was a trickling from the south side. This river that Ezekiel is describing is actually the very presence of God flowing from the dwelling place of God. And then he goes on and he says, As the man went eastward, with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, which is about 0.5 of a kilometer, half a kilometer. And then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. And then he measured off another thousand, and he led me through water up to the waist. I love the image of Ezekiel wading into deeper waters. It's this image of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit leading him into a deeper experience of the presence of God. And so what initially begins as a trickle begins to grow deeper. And the water becomes ankle deep. And it's enough for Ezekiel to begin to feel the flow of the river, to feel the flow of the presence of God. If you've ever been swimming in a river or a lake, you can probably relate to Ezekiel's experience. For most of us, it's a slow process. You start by testing the water with a toe or with your foot. 
And then you slowly step both feet in. And then just like Ezekiel, we begin to move in deeper until the water is about knee deep. There's something about when the water is still only knee deep. It's at that point that we're not quite fully committed to getting wet. And when the water is only ankle or knee deep, it, there's still this safety. It's still at a safe level where we're able to retreat to the safety of the shore. Water at your waist. Step when the rocks are sharp. When you have forgotten how to speak to your father who loves to hear your voice. Step. Step when you feel broken again. When you wonder why it is quiet. Trust. Trust that he is not gone and that there is still a home in here for you. Dive. When you do not understand, dive into the driftwood of brothers and sisters, uncertain and at sea, together, trusting that this is best, that he is here. Hold close to each other and to him. Pull close when you don't know what's right, when the sea becomes wide and strong, and when you realize just how small you are. Do not settle for the dirt beneath your nails. But do not try to pull the tides of transformation with your own striving grip. Move in to grace. Trust that it is whole. Drift towards him. Drift in deeper. For where there is water, there is life. Ezekiel continues to be led even deeper into the river until he is waist deep. It's at this depth that his feet can still touch and he is still in control. I think that many of us live our spiritual lives never quite fully surrendered to the flow of the Spirit. We often get caught somewhere between that place of a trickle and where the water is waist deep. I think some people spend their whole life merely dipping their toes into a relationship with Jesus. They want to test the waters, but never commit. They aren't quite ready to surrender. And then others begin to wade a bit further in. They're willing to go ankle deep or even knee deep. They want to know what it feels like to know God, to enter into his presence, 
but they want to do so with the safety of being able to retreat to that safe sideline, back to the shore. And then there's others who are willing to wade into their waist. They go deep enough that they can feel the movement of the water. They experience the leading of the Spirit of God. And they know that the next step is going fully in. But at this depth, they are still in control of their direction. A number of years ago, when I was the director of a summer camp, we had this great beach. It was quite shallow, and, which was perfect for kids. Because you could walk quite far into the water, so it gave the kids a place to play. And it never seemed to get much deeper than waist deep. But then all of a sudden, you came to a point and there was a drop-off where the ground just seemed to disappear. And the water went from being waist-deep to being more than 15 or 20 feet deep. And this is where Ezekiel's journey into the river continues. Water. Deep enough for you to swim. Air. Tighter in your chest. Pressure higher than before. Breathe in. Ignore the eyes and the mouths that doubt. Focus on the face that matters. Your father's eyes are locked in love on you. Find his gaze. Breathe in the faith of brothers and sisters. Close your eyes and dive. Dive into plans and purposes. When it feels unnatural, when the waves push stronger than before, choose depth. Choose courage. Choose faith. Sink. Despite the eyes, despite the mouths, despite your own forbidding thoughts, despite the air that refuses to confirm its attendance, jump in. When it doesn't make sense, fall into faith, into mission into arms that promise to carry. It is not your job to know what waits beneath the water, but only to trust that he has seen it all before <laughs> and that he will meet you there. Here is your chance. Dive into troubles, into purpose. Here. It is deep enough to swim. Go under. For where there is water, there is life. Ezekiel continues with his, his vision, and, and he says, He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross, because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. 
a river that no one could cross. It's at this point that there has to be complete surrender. There is nothing left to hold on to except to dive in or to let yourself be swept away by the presence and the direction of the Holy Spirit. This feeling of no longer holding on, coming to the place where our feet can't touch, initially it feels strange. And it feels strange because it's not something we're used to. We're not used to complete surrender, completely letting go. But you soon learn that this is the way that we are actually meant to live. Surrendered to the purpose and the direction of God. And there is actually a freedom that comes when we allow the flow of the river to take you where it is going. When we allow God to take us where he is going. Oftentimes I think we're scared to surrender because we don't know where God will lead us or take us. And Ezekiel gives us this great response. He says, Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Swarms of living creatures live wherever the river flows. So where the river flows, everything will, will live. He then goes on to say, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both sides of the river, banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. This is a picture of where the abundant life is, where the river flows. Where the river flows, there is good fruit to eat. There is healing, and there is life. When we surrender to the flow of the river, to the flow and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we actually get caught up into the very life and purposes of God. So this leaves us with a big question. How do we surrender? Well, the first thing we do when we want to surrender is we have to come with open hands. We have to recognize that we actually have nothing to offer except our surrender. We cannot hold on to our power or prestige, our position. We can't hold on to job titles or money, nothing. It all starts with this. We hold up empty hands. So go on, literally hold up your empty hands. And I want you to pause in silence for a moment. Do you see this? This is what you and I have apart from Jesus. Nothing. The New Testament writers speak about this very same posture of surrender. Paul speaks about dying to ourselves in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When you die to yourself, you take nothing with you. You leave it all behind. You come with empty hands and nothing else. Jesus speaks of a similar idea in John chapter 15 when he uses the illustration of the vine and the branches and he teaches us how we're called to abide. And he says we cannot do anything apart from our surrender to him. And how in our abiding, or in other words, how in our surrender to the life of the vine, it's then that we bear fruit. 
I also find it interesting that God doesn't call us to bear fruit. He calls us to abide. He calls us to live in surrender. And it's out of that flow in him that we see life and we bear fruit. The second way that we can learn surrender is by trusting in God's goodness and in his faithfulness. Faith is taking God at his word. Surrender, knowing that God was true. And we come to these deeper levels of surrender as we develop our faith and trust in who God says he is. And so faith is cultivated in a closeness to God. We must feed our faith. Some of the ways that we can feed our faith include scripture. This is the first and one of the best ones. The Bible is filled with demonstrations of the faithfulness of God to his people. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Allow it to reveal God to you. Rob Reamer says this. He says, every time you pick up the Bible, you are one Holy Spirit breath away from a fresh encounter of the living God. It reminds me of that vision earlier in Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones as he breathes new life into us. Another way that we can feed our faith is through other books. There are tremendous books out there by other pastors and authors that will feed your faith, that will encourage you to go to the places of deep surrender. Authors like A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, or A.W. Tozer, Andrew Murray, John Wesley, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Rob Reamer, and many others. Allow their works and their thoughts to, to encourage you and inspire you to go deeper in your trust and your faith. The third way that we can feed our faith is through testimonies. Listen to the stories of those who have lived lives fully surrendered. Listen to the stories of those who have braved taking the next step. Revelation 19.10 says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Meaning when we hear testimony of Jesus' power, victory, deliverance, healing, or redeeming work in another person's life, it actually inspires us to have faith, to believe in him for the same things in our own lives. The things that Jesus has already done, he can do again. The next way that we can grow in our faith is through experiences and obedient steps of faith or risk. Nothing can quite grow your faith like stepping out in faith. Experiencing things that we have never seen before, taking steps that we have not had the courage to take, can only enlarge our faith. Gordon T. Smith, the president of Ambrose College and Seminary, once wrote, There is no growth. No faithfulness without moving one step away from that which has been a source of security, confidence, and comfort to us. Similarly, Rob Reamer says, Your next level with God lies beyond the boundaries of your current experience. The only way that you can get there is to risk more than you are comfortable with. Get in the arena of risk where deep faith is forged. And then another way that we can feed our faith is through Sabbath, silence, and stillness before God. Taking time to allow God to speak to us. Because when you are still before God and all of the other distractions disappear, you learn just how simple it is to surrender to God.
I want to leave you with this final question. Where are you in the river? Are you ankle deep? Are you knee deep? Are you waist deep? Or are you all in? So in a moment, I'm going to invite you to take some time to answer some, some questions for reflection. And I and challenge you to go deep with them, to be open and honest about where you're at and where you long to be. But I invite you to just join with me in a word of prayer. So Father God, we come to you. And Lord, we need to know that you are a good God. That in you there is life, abundant life. And it is only through our surrender to you that we fully experience that. Father, help us to take the next steps as we enter into the river of your presence, as we find ourselves in the flow of your presence and your, your grace and your goodness. Help us to come with empty hands, with open hands of surrender to you, recognizing that all we have is you, Jesus. And may we be bold enough to stay, take that step of faith to be fully surrendered to you to be caught up in your river. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.